Welcome to the Inspired by Jacqueline podcast, a refreshing place for women struggling with entrepreneurship, faith, or infertility. Stay tuned for today's episode. Before I bring on my next special guest, I wanted to share a little bit as to why I'm bringing forth this conversation of caregiving. You know, what does that have to do with my three pillars? It has a lot to do with my three pillars. And this is why caregiving and self-care that goes hand in hand with caregiving is really important whether you're an entrepreneur or you work for corporate America or whatever your life journey situation is at the moment, whether it's your career or personal life, etc. Caregiving is real. There's a difference between being a parent and caregiving, even though some may say caregiving is a part of being a parent, and it is depending on the meaning. For this particular episode, I'm going to share the difference as to what caregiving is and the difference between being a parent and being a caregiver. Being a parent and a caregiver is about different life cycles, right? It's about different life experiences. It's about emotional ties. And to give you a highlight, a very quick highlight, being a parent is about growth versus being a caregiver is about decline. Being a parent is about creating and being a caregiver is about honoring. Being a parent is about giving hope for the future and being a caregiver is about grief for the end. So today we talk about caregiving and people we take care of, whether it's your child or your parent. It's a journey that they're going through. It's about taking care of them giving them the comfort that they need and giving them the attention that they need. But also what you will hear in the conversation in this episode is how can we take care of ourselves and how can we move forward so that we can take care of someone? And especially if you're not prepared, if you had no prior knowledge on how caregiving can affect your life, can change your life. So I wanted to give you that little highlight before I introduce you to our special guest. I myself have personally gone through a journey of caregiving and it's not an easy journey. And I wanted to kind of give you this preview into the conversation and to give you a highlight as to this applies to any situation, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. So Tune in to the conversation. Welcome everyone to today's podcast of Inspired by Jacqueline. My special guest today, her name is Charlotte Bayala. Her life changed forever when her husband was diagnosed with an incurable form of thyroid cancer in 2013. Through her podcast, Love Your Caregiving Life, and her digital magazine, Caregiving Confessions, she's helped caregivers feel understood seen, and feel empowered to fully step into their role as caregivers so that they can love their life again. I am 
totally a testimony to this because I know that I follow her. I subscribe to her platform. And even though her situation is different from mine in some form or another, I have really felt empowered. I've felt a sense of understanding. And I wanted to bring her on because I feel it's something, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're going through any type of situation, being a caregiver is something that for me, I know I wasn't trained to do. I don't think most of us are trained to do. It just happens. And so I'm hoping that based on our conversation, that you'll be able to take with you some tips and maybe prepare yourself beforehand in the role of a caregiver. We do not prepare for this. We're not really thinking about our parents, our spouses, our partners. So tune in to this great conversation today, and I hope that you enjoy it. So welcome, Charlotte. Thank you. <laughs> so do you want to elaborate a little bit about your entrance into this caregiving life? Wow. It's been a decade now that my husband was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and it has been up and down for all of these years. Um, he won't, won't ever be cured. Sometimes people think thyroid cancer is an easy cancer to have. It's not. After some time when I was able to kind of bring my feet back underneath me because I think with everyone who becomes a caregiver, you're just knocked on your butt, you know, and I started to figure out how to bring in skills and tools that I already had that I just had to remember how to use again, that caregiving became less of a struggle. There's always parts that are difficult, but, you know, really bringing myself back to myself, really coming back to who I was before a caregiver and using what I've learned then to implement now has really helped us all as a family enjoy life together. And how long did it take you to take that deep breath and say, wait, how do I yeah. find myself? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I think I cried for six months. It was just mm. any, it was like there was a Hallmark commercial going through my mind 24 seven. It was the stress and the worry and the fear and the anger that I really had to learn how to navigate and take control back by really it was simply breathing. You know, I finally checked in with my doctor at the time and I expected like something special uh, for her to tell me that I should do to kind of correct course. And she told me to meditate. And it made me so angry in the beginning because I was teaching people how to meditate at the time. And mm. that just goes to show that no matter what is happening in your life when you become a caregiver, almost everything kind of just gets pushed to the side. And I had completely forgotten how to use the skills that I was teaching other people to use to find, you know, calm and relaxation and to release stress. And I would go in and teach those classes and leave stressed out and jumping back into being a caregiver. So it, I would say six months was the point where I got the what the heck is happening kind mm. of moment. And it took a, probably about a year of caregiving before I really felt like I was able to be consistent in taking care of myself. Wow. And so, and, and I have tons of questions, but <laughs> before I get to my next question, I wanted to find out since we're having this good chat here, how did you do it? Did you do it on your own? You just said you picked yourself up and you said, that's it. 
let's do this? Or did you have, did you speak to someone? Did you have support? Right. Well, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't have, there weren't a lot of support groups. You know, I really wanted like that mom group that I had when my daughter was young, where you could complain about things and compare and share tips. And I didn't have that. And there, you know, there weren't Facebook groups and there weren't really support groups at the hospital. And so in terms of a clinical or a support setting, there wasn't really a lot available in the town that I was living in. And um, really the the main thing that happened was my doctor just saying, well, it sounds like you're worrying a lot, which I I already knew. And to do that, you kind of have to, you know, she pretty pretty much was saying you you need to find a way to find a different perspective. And I I was resistant. I was Mm -hmm. defiant because I was a little angry that I had the answer and I wasn't using it until I came to a point where I accepted that this was unexpected and I wasn't prepared and that the best thing to do was to take the information that I had and move forward to help myself because if I didn't, I wasn't going to be available to be the person that I wanted to be for my husband or for my daughter. And I wasn't going to be able to fully live and enjoy life if I didn't care for myself and find a way to reduce the ill effects of caregiving, Mm -hmm. I guess we can call it, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) So big question. Define (laughs) caregiving for me. Yeah, I think caregiving for me, caregiving is a person who cares for a loved one, a friend, a family member who needs additional support, uh, emotional, physical, um, to help them through a disease, an illness, a disability that can be temporary or long term. And is the role of a caregiver similar no matter what the situation is? So I know that your husband, you know, he was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. What about any other type of uh, illnesses or any type of other situation? Yeah, I think over the three years that I've been uh, publishing my podcast and talking to different types of caregivers, male, female, caregivers of uh, family members who have Alzheimer's, dementia, cancer caregivers, we all have some of the same basic needs. The reasons why we're a caregiver are different. The things that we need to experience in terms of daily uh, roles that we play and things that we need to do are all different in some aspect, but we all want to feel seen and heard. We all want to have a connection with someone who understands us. There are a lot of emotional, um, things that that we all share, like feeling guilt when we want to do something that's fun, uh, feeling lonely, being resentful because we didn't ask to do this really. And I think the important part is no matter who you're a caregiver for, and it doesn't even matter if you're a part-time caregiver, a caregiver from afar or with the person 24 hours a day. It doesn't, there's no kind of big bright star that you get on a paper on the wall by being a specific kind of caregiver. If you're caring for someone, you're their caregiver, that completely changes your life. And I don't want anyone to feel like, well, if I'm, if I'm, 
not at home all the time and I actually have to work, that makes me less of a caregiver. It doesn't. It just means that you have to navigate a different way to caregiving than people who can't work because they have to be there full time or don't work. And so I think we all we all have the same basic needs. Yeah. Like we just want someone to tell us like, how can I sleep at night? What do I do when I wake up in the middle of the night and am, I'm just stressed out and scared? Or how do I connect with the person I care for as a human being instead of just a caregiver? I think there are so many commonalities, but we like to divide ourselves into who we identify and staying with that kind of identification and group of people. But I think that if we can all share like you and I are right now, mm -hmm. um, we can actually notice that we're we're a huge group of people. There's over 52 million caregivers in the United States right now. And I bet you none of us are outwardly promoting the fact that we're caring for someone. So, you know, sometimes I'll sit in a room and I wonder like how many people on this, on this train, this, this train car, you know, mm -hmm. when I take it in the morning, how many people here are caregivers? Like, I just want to give them all mm -hmm. hugs. And I know most of them are in some yeah. way, but we don't share. And so then yeah. that's why we feel like we're not part of as big of a group as we are. Yeah. And I'm glad you shared that because, you know, I will share here with the listeners that you've been a big part of my life in reference to just from a point of loss, having a parent that had dementia mm -hmm. and just through just a conversation, I was able to kind of dissect the part of my life that was like, wait, I am overwhelmed. Right. I am like, oh my gosh, I, I, I had to really sit down and dissect every part of my life because I'm married, I have a job, and now I have to be a caregiver. Mm -hmm. I don't have children. So I didn't have to share my, it was kind of like sharing my life, right? right? It was just an additional piece that is like, oh, wow, like this just happened. Now I have to invest time into that. Mm -hmm. And learning how to, all of that was so much and so overwhelming. Yeah. And at times I would just, you know, we try to hold it in so much. And it was those little one-off moments, unexpected moments that either I was in the doctor's office or wherever, and, or even driving, which mm -hmm. is dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I would just break down in tears. Yeah. And so I definitely understand that when I started realizing and taking a step back and saying, I have to take ownership of this mm -hmm. new role, you know, because it's not going anywhere. It's here. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I then started hearing of so many other people around mm -hmm. me that were going through the same situation. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. And it the stories just kept on coming. And like you said, it's not spoken of enough. Right. Uh, and because maybe sometimes we're still trying to go through it, or if we've gone through it and the situation passed through mm -hmm. some form or another, we're we were so consumed by it that we don't even want to think about it. Right. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I am very grateful for you and for you know, a few people I had around me that gave me the opportunity to understand mm -hmm. and kind of reinvest in my time as far as, okay, I'm Jacqueline. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. This is my husband. This is what we do. And then now, okay, how do we adjust our schedules right. to take care of my mother? 
let's say. And thankfully for my husband, he was able to assist me. So Mm -hmm. that's a a whole different conversation as well. It's like, do you have people, other people to support you? And then when it comes time to family, that's a whole different conversation, (laughs) right? Which is like, okay, uh, well, you're closer. Why don't you take care of (laughs) Right. Luckily, I didn't have to deal with that. But tell me a little bit about that. Like, how is someone who is struggling with or going through uh, the new role of caregiving and Mm. have other siblings and are struggling because they're taking the load, but not the others? Like, what are the conversations that... Right. I I think that in any situation, when you first become a caregiver, you actually have to understand that you're a caregiver. And most times you aren't anticipating that moment when you're with your loved one and they get a diagnosis and then you start to realize, oh, wait, now I have to take care of this person. Oftentimes, even in the doctor's office in that first visit, no one turns to you and says, are you ready? Mm -hmm. This is about you, too. You know, we're always so focused on the person who has the illness or the disease or has just been, been disabled. And so a lot of times people will try to continue the lives that they had before caregiving while they're a caregiver. And so what happens is there's a lot of friction because you're trying to be the same person and you've already changed. You just haven't accepted that you have. Your life changes. If you have to move someone into your house, if you have to find home health care for someone, if you have to even just get a different mattress because your loved one needs to be elevated because Mm -hmm. of surgeries or issues that they have, there's changes that are being made to your life that if you try to be, so if you tried to be Jacqueline from before and then somehow tried to stay on the same schedule and also take care of your loved one, it wouldn't have worked because you can't fit it all into the same life that you had before. So the first step would be actually understand that you're a caregiver and then decide what kind of caregiver do you want to be? Because you don't have to be a caregiver 100% of the time if you can't do it. I always try to tell people, do you realize that you can say no? Because as soon as you know that you can say no, usually there's a a knee-jerk reaction. Well, I I wouldn't say no. Okay, so then... (laughs) (laughs) just understand that you can because I'm pretty sure no one asked you if you wanted to be a caregiver and gave you that opportunity. Now that you know that you want to be a caregiver, what kind of caregiver do you want to be? And when that happens, then you start to realize, all right, you know, I have other family members that can help. I'm going to have a meeting with them and I'm going to try to figure out who can, who will actually be there to be part of the support team that this person needs. Oftentimes there's, you know, relationship issues. I I mean, there's a lot of family dynamics that not only come into when you're trying to get other people to be part of that team, but with you and the person that you're caring for, because sometimes the roles are being reversed, especially if you're caring for a parent. And so I think that the important part is for you to understand what you're willing to do first. How much of your time do you want to put in? How much money do you want to 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 spend if you have it do you want to bring someone into your home that's not already living with you and if not then when you go into talking to other family members and seeking their support you know what you need from them Mm -hmm. it's hard to ask someone to help if you can't tell them exactly what you need because they have no idea everyone wants to help And in the beginning, they're always very open to saying, let me know how I can help you. Mm -hmm. And most times caregivers in the beginning are like, I have, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know what kind of help I can ask for. So if you're in that place, but you know, you need your 
brothers and sisters, your aunts and uncles to, to help you, you need to know what you want that to look like so that you can advocate for yourself because it's going to be difficult. It'll always be a difficult conversation. But if you can go in knowing this is the type of caregiver I want to be, this is what I need from everyone. And sometimes you need to have someone who will kind of sit there in the meeting with you. So it could be a community leader, a pastor, a priest, a social worker, a therapist. You know, sometimes you need an outside person to be in there to kind of help the conversation stay healthy. And some of those, sometimes you can find that through local organizations who are there to really just help caregivers. There's a lot of national caregiver organizations that provide resources. So if it comes out to be, or if you already anticipate the conversation is, is going to be volatile, mm -hmm. um, or you're the person who feels like they're always taking advantage of, then mm -hmm. it would be good to go in kind of knowing, first of all, what you need. Also, maybe bringing someone into the group to help with the conversation. And, you know, and if there's time, which there never is, to actually talk to someone, a therapist or a social worker or someone at your church or, or someone that you can actually confide in to go through those emotional and um, relational issues that you have with the family members that you actually need to have help you. Awesome. That That is so true. I mean, for me, I can definitely testify that I reached out to social workers, to organizations, and they have tons of yeah. support groups, tons of, you know, whether it's that you don't want to be a part of a support group, but you want to be a part of a workshop that's very informational. Mm -hmm. And I became a part of that for a while until I felt like, okay, I have my bearings all together. I can move <laughs> ahead. I can breathe. And then, you know, that takes me into the next conversation, which is self-care, yeah. right? We're already trying to figure out what we got put into, right? <laughs> and this new life or this new development in our life that now we have to adjust our mm -hmm. uh, work life, our personal lives, everything like that. So our self-care changes, yeah. right? So tell yeah. me a little bit about self-care during life as a caregiver. Yeah. Well, I will be the first to tell you that it, it's, it's very easy to let it all fall apart. If you had a self-care uh, plan or things that you did for yourself before you became a caregiver, uh, almost always they all disappear. So I'm not going to say as soon as you become a caregiver, you need to make sure you need to hold on to everything because I had those tools and I completely forgot and lost them. Right. But what I want everyone to know is once you start to realize that you're a caregiver, the overwhelm will come very quickly, the stress, the anxiety, and you will start to notice how you feel is much different than before you became a caregiver. And um, so there will come a time where you'll realize that I don't, I don't like how this feels. Mm -hmm. And it will be your choice to either do something for yourself or not. There will be people out there who will tell you night and day how much you have to care for yourself, or they just read an article about how deep breathing helps reduce stress. But the thing is, they're all just giving you information. They're not helping you. So right. I think every caregiver knows 
and probably is tired of hearing of the word self-care, unfortunately. And I think sometimes uh, people have a false sense of what self-care is. Self-care does not mean going to yoga class every day, having an expensive massage, going on vacations. Those are all awesome. If we could all do those all the time, I would love it. And the time. (laughs) Right, the time and the money. Mm -hmm. And time is usually the biggest barrier that I hear from caregivers as to why they can't care for themselves. And I think we all know there are things that we do with our time that don't serve us, that Mm -hmm. we do because they feel comfortable, because they're what we do all the time. That could be doom scrolling on social media. It could be watching you know, a show on Netflix that you've seen a thousand times, all of those things make our brains feel safe. And it makes us feel comfortable because we know exactly what to expect. But for a second, we have to become a little uncomfortable so that we can start caring for ourselves. Because if not, we will ourselves at some point need people to care for us as well. Mm -hmm. Because stress brings on so many different major illnesses and diseases heart disease, diabetes, you know, stress is is really a strong thing for us to try to carry and live with and not deal with appropriately. And so I I really tell people you have to find what works for you. Mm-hmm. Like if you can't sit still and if you don't want to sit in quiet because all of the thoughts and emotions start to bubble up and it's too uncomfortable, Meditation isn't for you. I wouldn't tell you to do it. If you need to be active, then I would say take a walk. If you tell me I can't leave my house for more than 10 minutes at a time, then I would say walk away for five minutes and turn around and come back. Self-care is you taking time for yourself to do something that allows your body to understand you are safe, that allows you to breathe, that allows you to step away from whatever caregiving duty or role you have for that day so that you can reset. Mm. Sometimes I will lay down in the middle of the floor with my legs up on a chair because it is a position I don't usually find myself in and my body just needs to be somewhere different. I will hide in closets. If it gets too <laughs> it gets too loud, like if I'm at a family member's house and there's just a lot of people and it's just too it's too much for me, I'll find a dark closet, a, a blocked bathroom door. You know, you can stay in a bathroom for at least 15, maybe 20 minutes without someone actually coming in and check on you. I know I have a 20 minute window with my family where they won't start looking for me. And I've gotten really good at laying down intentionally for a nap. And setting my alarm for 15 minutes, 15 minute nap, perfect. I wake up, I'm ready to keep on going. Mm -hmm. But there are times where you only have a minute. And there might be times in a day where you're always going to have a cup of coffee or tea in your hand. So I would say find those things that you do every day and change them into your minute, your five minutes, your 10 minutes. Because you don't need self-care to take hours or days. You just need to have something that you can look forward to doing every day so that you have that little bit of a break. Mm. I I love that you mentioned, you know, Netflix and feeling safe because I did that. I I was like, oh, yeah, let me, this series sounds good. And, And I was like, I just need to stop thinking. Yes. Right? And and I was like, okay, I watched this whole five seasons of all these episodes. Yep. <laughs> I feel the same. I feel yucky. I yeah. feel ugh, overwhelmed still. Yeah. But you know, sometimes watching a movie or watching your show, a show that you're looking forward to, that is self-care. Like I'm not gonna say right 
watching something isn't self-care. But if but you doing it on purpose, right. to forget or to exactly for the urgency. Or saying that you don't have time to care for yourself. But if I had you sit down and write down everything you did. How much time were you on on a social media site? How much time were you watching something mindlessly? You know, we can be mindless and walk. Right. And I know that I would feel so once once you get over that hurdle of actually getting yourself out the front door, you know, taking a quick walk, you feel so much better than having sat for a long period of time trying to forget. So how do you enjoy time off or whatever yeah. time off you have? I so... I kind of compartmentalize my my time between my time alone and my time with people. Mm. Um, and I try to find a balance between the two because I love being around people, but I need the energy back, right? So it's almost like I, I need to recharge. My time alone, um, you know, I have a lot of things that I do every day, like waking up, I won't tell you I wake up and drink a nice big glass of water and take a quiet walk. Like my, I wake up, I drink coffee, I sit down and I write and I either Ooh. journal or I'm writing a, a pot, like whatever comes to me that I want to write. That's what I do because at that time of the day, my mind is ready to just process and let go. And that feels good. Um, I love talking to my friends and my family members on the phone since I don't live near them right now. And I love reading and doing some kind of creative art or I actually love, you know, making videos. Mm -hmm. So I just like I have the a creative thing that I'm usually doing. But then the other times I love, you know, traveling with my family, going out around. Um, we just recently moved to Chicago. So there's a boatload of things for us to do. So we're always out exploring, doing things. And then if I have an opportunity to have lunch with a friend or have people over, that's kind of like I recharge being around people, but then I have to recharge after mm -hmm. doing just my own thing. So yeah, it's it's fun having the opportunity to do things for myself and mm -hmm. with other people. So you say you moved into Chicago now. Yeah. So funny question that I'm going to ask you. Have <laughs> you had or tasted the Chicago, famous Chicago hot dogs yet? Yes. And with I do tomatoes. not put ketchup on them. <laughs> what is that? And I do not put ketchup on them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's with the tomatoes and all yes, of that? Yes, the peppers and that oh lime green. Yeah. <laughs> so I had uh, a wedding that I did. And the groom, he either worked in Chicago or some, he had, he was in Chicago for a while and he wanted a station where <laughs> they had at the end, towards the end, hot dogs, Chicago hot dogs. Okay. And with the tomatoes, all that, I tasted one and I was addicted. I was like, I yeah. have to go to Chicago now. And, <laughs> and I'm not a hot dog, like fanatic. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best. Yeah. <laughs> Just figure I ask. Um, no, they're awesome. <laughs> so what's the most valuable lesson you've learned in your life? I, I think for me, it's going back to your values to understand what is actually important for you. You know, decision making, we do it so much all day long. And 
I find that especially with caregiving, everything is so loud in your brain. Um, and it's so difficult for you to actually function and make, uh, decisions when there's so much stress and your brain is just, you know, trying to cope and, and keep you safe. And so when I feel like I'm not really sure on what a decision needs to be, I always remember that I just need to come back to who I am and to come back to what my values are, what my family's values are in order to understand and identify what is actually really important right now. Got it. So what led you to becoming a coach? Tell me a little bit about your training now and how you help and your platform. Yeah, I use my experience as a caregiver, but also I have been a certified yoga and meditation teacher for over a decade. I've taught over a thousand hours of classes. It's just what I what I love doing. And I realized when I became a caregiver, those skills that I learned um, when I became a teacher um, are what I need. It's but it's what everyone else needs, actually, whether you're a caregiver or not. Um, And so I use the power of just being mindful and being able to sit with yourself and how to process through emotions with movement, with breathing, and and with creating rituals for your day so that you have something to kind of hold on to, to the things that are just for you. Um, So that's what we do altogether coaching session is I'm just leading someone to help them find what is best for them Mm -hmm. so that they can learn how to do things to enjoy their lives in spite of caregiving. Because we are people and we are caregivers. We're not just caregivers. Like we need to, to feed ourselves. And that can be through music or dance or movement or religion or, or reading or connection. Like everyone has their thing. The problem is, is that as caregivers, we're usually so overwhelmed. Mm. And and doing these things for fun used to be easy. And now that we actually have to pick and choose what's actually going to work in a life that's already changed for us, oftentimes you just need someone to guide you for a little bit to help point you in the right direction so that you can be happy. You can find happiness and joy, even though there were will always be difficult moments because of the person that you care for, you know, needs your help. And so I know you mentioned that you uh, offered meditation mm-hmm. before your role as a caregiver. As an entrepreneur, let's say, how mm-hmm. what would you recommend to someone who is an entrepreneur running their business, but they're struggling being a caregiver? Like, what would be the balance or the importance of their well-being? Yeah, I would say if you're an entrepreneur, you know what your job description is, hopefully. Uh, You have (laughs) that job description, what your responsibilities are. You uh, hopefully take that, that time to turn off the computer at the end of the day and to have your vacations and it's okay, it's responsible for you to take time off to go to doctor's appointments take sick time especially if you're working for somebody else do that with your caregiving mm-hmm. like your caregiving is a role just as important as the job role that you have look at it as just as important not only personally but socially i think if someone were to be asked well what do you do and they own a business, let's just say making hot dogs, they would say, I own this hot dog business 
It's what I love doing. This is what I do all the time. But they're also a caregiver to their father. They probably won't say, but I'm also a caregiver to my father. And both are equally important because socially it's more respected to own a company, run a company or who you work for. Caregiving is just as or more important than any job role that you can have because you're literally other than the the few moments that they spend with their doctors occasionally you are the person who is l- allowing them the opportunity to to live a life at home and i think that's that's important so see your caregiving role as just as important as your your job role whether you own the business you work for or you're working for someone else, that means take the vacations, take the time off, take the lunch break, right? You know, as caregivers, like we don't give ourselves any opportunity to take the breaks that are expected for us Mm -hmm. to take if we're working in an office or working at a job. Right. So I think it's because we don't um, feel that we are able to give it the importance that it's due because that's not the way other people see it. So basically, stop caring what other people say or see, accept caregiving as a role that you're taking and look at it as just as important as anything else that you're doing. If you have an oncologist taking a month off for vacation, nobody is going to question it. So why should anyone question or why should you feel there's a barrier for you to take an hour to yourself just to eat lunch in quiet in a way that actually supports your well-being. So really, you know, don't discount the importance of your caregiving and don't feel like you aren't able to fully take on the importance of that role because you're working. Working doesn't mean that you're any less of a caregiver. That's just the way caregiving looks for you. And you're not any more or less of a caregiver than a person who isn't working. Yeah, it's interesting because I had a few episodes ago a conversation with a colleague and who's an entrepreneur and, you know, her father was ill. And, you know, at times she had to be a part of that caregiving piece. And mm. she felt like and and I can understand her point of view in, in our industry that we couldn't share anything mm. because of the retribution of being seen that we're going to do less of our job, the quality of our job, you know, compared to what we would have done, you know, right. It's a catch 22. Sometimes it's it's like, okay, so then are we allowing ourselves to give ourselves a break or not because of our clients or whatnot? So it's really important. And I think that's, that has a lot to do with, um, it, it is not seen as a part of society that is as important as it actually is. Um, if all of if you can imagine 52 million people needing care from the government or from the hospital system, it, it would crush it. Right. So what we do is important to everybody because the, the there is no capacity for all the people that are being cared for by family caregivers to actually be put into a system, a medical system to be cared for. And so the dilemma that you're talking about, I'm sure is the same thing that people feel when they have to take care of a child that's sick, you know, or, or have uh, an illness of their own that they actually have to take time off for. But I feel like there is still a little bit more ownership that's um, accessible to say, you know, my child's sick, I'm going to try to do what I can, but I need to go because you know that that's, you know, that being a parent is, 
is an acceptable reason in, in most cases to have to go take care of that child. But when you're a caregiver, it's removed, right? Because right. especially if we don't talk about it, because yeah. then all of a sudden, you know, you have to, you have to go because your parent um, needs immediate help and there's no one to jump in, then, you know, it just looks different to people. Yeah. And I think that's, first of all, because we don't talk about it a lot. We don't share how difficult it is. Mm -hmm. And so people, there's not an awareness. And I just feel like it's a, it's an awareness issue altogether. And until people can truly understand what caregiving is, it will always be that way. And yeah. you know it because as soon as you, uh, someone that you know becomes a caregiver, who's known that you've been a caregiver. I, I've had a couple of times where someone will say, now I really understand how difficult yeah. it is. Oh my I, and it's hard to explain what you're going yeah. through. It's like, oh, okay, she's tied up with, with you know, right. her mother or this situation. Right. Like she hasn't shown up for coffee and for forever. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we should just stop asking her until their parent needs for them to care for them. And all of a sudden, it, it just for me, I think that if there was more of an effort to understand the people in your lives that are caregivers, there would be more empathy and there would be more support. And I get that everybody is trying to figure themselves out and they all have their own personal issues. But um, if if people didn't have to wait to become caregivers to understand what caregiving is, it would make everyone's lives so much easier because the support would be there. Yeah. And, you know, when I I think I officially became a caregiver maybe five years ago, we noticed some form of dementia, like just memory loss yeah. at some points. And so I would say officially five years and then it just went straight down from there. Yeah. And just like everything just happened from there, but we were aware in some form or another. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard to share about being a caregiver, mm -hmm. but within those five years, I cut down on the amount of work that I was taking. I had to make time because right. that caregiving part was taking a lot of time and yeah. it was just me, myself and I, plus my husband. And so we had to sit down and do everything as far as the logistics and what we needed to do for ourselves first. And at mm -hmm. one point we thought we were going to bring her home and we actually, and I'm going to share this part because sometimes we feel selfish in thinking just the thought that, yeah. oh, I want to do me. I need right. space for me. Mm -hmm. To me, I feel it's okay to think that, to feel it, but allow yourself to, if it's the word being selfish, maybe you could share a different word, <laughs> but I was selfish. I was, I felt like if I wasn't well, mm -hmm. I can't help her. And so yeah. I needed my time and my home was my sanctuary because right. I'm so busy with work. And then I was busy with her. So it was just coming home. If I brought her home, it was going to take all of that away. And then I saw myself just going downhill yeah. <laughs> from there. Yeah, it sounds like you were setting boundaries so that you could yeah. be able to care for your mom the way that you could and that you could also at the same time still be active in your business and still be a, and enjoy being a wife to your husband. There's nothing wrong with setting boundaries. 
Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, not a lot of us do it in the beginning. And then we try to backtrack um, to try to find that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because usually setting boundaries means you're saying no to somebody or something. But that goes back to using your values as the litmus test for what what your decision should be or the things that are important. And quite frankly, when you become a caregiver, when I became a caregiver, I quickly learned that there are some things that just don't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. And it and yeah. it's by sometimes the minute, the hour, the day. If you're having a bad day and things are really difficult in respect of your ability to caregive or not, and you have three loads of laundry just sitting on the floor and the dishes are piled up in the sink and all you want to do is sleep because it's just too much. Before, I would kill myself trying to get all the things done that I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. when really what I'm supposed to do is make make it so that I can find relief in a day so that I can help my husband enjoy the day and or If he's in recovery from a surgery or a procedure, you know, what's important is for me to support him. And so that's when the things like the dishes and the the clothing or you come home from the hospital and you don't want to cook and usually you don't order out. I'm like, order out. Let the things sit like they're going to get done. Right. But you don't have to you choose when they get done. Don't Mm -hmm. do things because you feel like they have to. And you set those boundaries to saying, no, I can't go out and do this thing. And no, I can't do this. I need help. So maybe I'm going to have someone come grab my laundry and wash it and bring it back for me. Like thinking outside of what all the shoulds Mm -hmm. and figuring out what is actually going to work for you. Because you might have thought, well, I should bring my mom home. That's what everyone's going to think that I should do. Right. You were strong enough to say, no, I can't. I'm not going. This is a boundary I'm setting because I know myself and I know this isn't going to work. Right. So, you know, if you haven't set boundaries and you know you have to right now, do it. It's yeah. It has to be like a Band-Aid. Like you can't slowly say no. You just have to say no. Just right? rip that Band-Aid. Because it, no. gonna, it, I feel that it's a part of saving your life and your yeah. energy and just allowing you to breathe and all right. that. And, mm-hmm. and if if selfish is the word that you want to use when you're when you're doing things for yourself then use it i feel like a a way of saying it so that you can say it to somebody else without them using it against you is saying i'm setting boundaries i i I can't talk to you on the phone at one o'clock in the morning because you're upset about something because i'm taking care of my parent 24 hours a day and i need to sleep so i'm saying no to your phone call and it doesn't have to be confrontational Mm-hmm. It can just be clearly, no, I can't do it. And if you don't say no, which a lot of caregivers don't because mm-hmm. they want to please people and they want to give and they want to be there. There's only so much you can give. Yeah. And, and, so, and it goes back to so many hours in the day. <laughs> right. Right. And so that's when you start thinking, what is most important? What is a value? Like mm-hmm. what is important and what goes with the values that I I try to live with. And that's going to kind of be my guide to what I say yes and what I say no to. And saying no isn't mean, doesn't even have to mean I'm saying no for forever. It's no today. I can't maybe tomorrow. Um, But learning how to do that, like you were able to, is something that sometimes people, it takes years for them to understand, you know, holidays are a big one. If your mom was the one that always hosted the holidays, but now she's bed bound, Mm 
-hmm. and everyone still wants to come to her house for that no we got to find a different house if it's not good for her then it's it's not good and it's not going to happen so it's it's really having to be strong enough in your conviction of how important your caregiving is Mm -hmm. for you to be able to stand up for yourself and the person that you care for awesome and so if you had a superpower what yeah. would that be? I would have a word that if I said it, whoever was around me could be happy. Mm. We all need disappointment and there's always going to be sadness at some point and there's heartbreak. That's the human condition. But I feel like there's so much pain because people aren't able to access happiness. And so mm. if I could just, you know, just say a word, just like look at like a safe word, but it's a happy word. And then they just automatically feel happy even for just a couple of minutes so that they can have that feeling that that would be my superpower that is so awesome I love that (laughs) (laughs) so as we're um, winding down what are some of the biggest takeaways let's say three or four that you would share with the listeners Yeah. Own your role of caregiving. You're the only person who's going to make yourself a priority and setting boundaries is one of the most important things that you can do to be able to enjoy your life as a caregiver. Mm. And I wrote down a few words that you shared, which is pretty much a part of what you just said, accepting, accepting your role. Um, I know you didn't ask for it, but acceptance will take you further in through the process and advocating for yourself Mm -hmm. and knowing that you could say no, like with the boundaries. (laughs) And those are basically what you said. I just wrote down those words because they, those are things that helped me through my process. And, you know, I realized that even though I went through one part of caregiving, I am not closing the chapter because It could happen at whatever time with whoever. And I just know that life just brings you so many different things. So I am really appreciative of you and sharing and having the conversation. So with regards to what we covered, is there something that we did not cover that you would like to share? Or if not, then, you know, sharing about your platform and giving everyone your... I think those are the three biggest takeaways for any caregiver to to really uh, sit with and hone in on. And it doesn't happen right away. So those are things that, you know, need to be processed to really to find me um, at loveyourcaregivinglife.com. The podcast, Love Your Caregiving Life, is on that website. But you can also find it on Spotify and uh, iTunes and any podcast player. Um, I just, I put all the information out there through the podcast episodes on the website to help caregivers and support them in trying to figure their way through and just being able to enjoy their lives while they're caregiving. Awesome. And I also want to share that, you know, if you don't have time to listen and you have a moment to read, she has the newsletters that are truly amazing. So if I don't (laughs) hear something in the podcast, I do, you know, tune into uh, the newsletter, which comes out is it every week, every Thursday, the newsletter comes out every Thursday, it gives you kind of the main idea of all the podcasts, the podcast episode that comes out also on Thursday, as well as other links and I curate information from other organizations that are available so that everyone can kind of see if they're something that 
they can use or be supported by. There's so much noise out there. So I just like to bring in one organization or uh, support service so that people can check it out and they can um, subscribe to the newsletter from the website as well. And it all comes to them. So it makes it less work. Yeah, no, it's really <laughs> great. I love it. I love how you put everything together. Um and the creativity part of it and <laughs> things to do, things for fun or things to listen to. And I truly love that. So two more things. I do want to mention that everything that you shared in reference to how to get a hold of you and your podcast, all that, I'll share it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask you one last question, which was, is there a very simple or short breathing technique And if so, how long is that? If someone's I actually have a breathing exercise that I can give you the link for so that people can uh, go ahead and listen to it. You know, once you know how to take a deep breath, a minute, all you need is a minute. Can you lead us into, with you leading us into taking a moment for us in breathing? Sure. Yeah. So if you're not driving while you're listening to this, uh, just find a place to sit and allow your hands to come down onto your legs. And if you can allow your eyes to close, and I just want you to notice that you're breathing, nothing to change, nowhere to go, no one else to take care of, but yourself right now, your mind might want to start going through to do lists or talk to you. Try to ignore it. It's not going to go away, but just let it sit off to the side. Notice how you're breathing. If you're breathing in and out through your nose, especially if you can, just notice the breath at the tip of your nose. Letting the breath come in through the tip of the nose and letting it come back out. Noticing the beginning and the end of your breath. As you do this, you can allow your breath to become a little bit deeper. Relax your belly if you can. Let the belly grow as you bring in a deep breath, filling your lungs as you as much as you comfortably can, and then slowly coming back out. Breath comes in and out through the tip of your nose. Trying to let everything else go. The tension in your mind, the tension in your body. And as you continue breathing, bring to mind one thing you're grateful for. As you continue to hold on to this moment of gratitude, this feeling of calm this breath might have brought you, become aware of the feeling of the hands against your legs the seat that you're sitting on. Notice the sounds inside your room or just outside your room. If you'd like to, you can bring your hands to your eyes to shield them from the light as you slowly open them back up. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. That now is it's just time for a nap. <laughs> just like, wow, just the sound of your voice is oh, just thank you. really amazing. So thank you so much for being with us. And I am going to leave it at that because I think this breathing technique was very special. Thank you. 
Wow, ending this conversation with a breathing session, that was truly amazing. I am so happy that I asked her to engage, to help us go through that breathing session. I don't know how you feel, but I feel great at this moment. So thank you so much, Charlotte, for that. And I hope that this conversation about caregiving and uh, taking care of yourself and setting the boundaries that you need to so that you can be better prepared to help the person start setting boundaries early in the journey of caregiving. It's a journey that seems like it's forever. So I hope that this was just a start to a conversation that maybe you needed to hear or understand better. And I hope that it prepared you. So thank you so much, Charlotte, for sharing your insights and your journey and for walking us through that breathing exercise. Make sure to follow Charlotte at loveyourcaregivinglife.com. With that said, thank you for being here and stay tuned for the next episode of Inspired by Jacqueline. And make sure to follow us and leave a review. Take care. Bye.